Welcome to Week in Horror. You gotta be fucking kidding. The only podcast that will feed your horror need. The need to feed. With JL. Yeah, I'm a fucking masochist. I'll watch that shit. <laughs> Eugene. Somebody has to be the sex symbol. I'm sorry. <laughs> Alex. Shit, I just demonetize this forever. And Johnny O. How do you like that shit? Got half was in a monologue. <laughs> Before unmuting myself. Golly, it's one of those fucking days. <laughs> With industry guests. Hi, this is Richard Oakes, director of host. Hey, this is Adam Leader, director of host. This is Matthew Mark Hunter. I'm Donna Nelly. And you're listening to Week in Horror. And you're listening to Week in Horror. And this is Week in Horror. And you're listening to Week in Horror. Welcome to prime time, bitch! News, trivia, and more. One by one, we will take you. Join our live show Wednesdays at 7 central, youtube.com slash weekinhorror, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Week in Horror. Stay scared. <laughs> hey, hey! <laughs> <laughs> I was muted there for a second. Happy New Year, horror fans. Horror fans. It is Thursday, 7 p.m. Central Time, and... Yes, we're a day late, but this means it's time for another episode of the Week in Horror podcast, the only podcast that's making different kinds of resolutions. And if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast host, you can join us here, here for our live show on YouTube, so you two can laugh and scream with us, flex your horror knowledge, and maybe even win some trivia prizes. This week, we are covering select films released in horror history, December 26th through January 1st. Thank you all so much for joining us. I'm JL, and with me tonight is Alex. Hey, what's hey. happening? It's just us tonight. It's, it's just nice and intimate, a drink. I know, right? <laughs> so, unfortunately, uh, it is just us two. Um, Johnny is out with the sniffles. Um, I guess man cold, I'm not 100% sure. And Eugene is busy doing the Spielberg thing. So it is just us. So did we just will... man, did you just man cold Johnny Jesus. I, I am gonna man cold his ass. Oh, oh my allergies are bugging me. Uh oh, for Benadryl doesn't work. Oh, I can't talk about movies tonight. Oh. Yeah, whatever. He gives me so much shit, I'm gonna give him shit this time. I... <laughs> three seasons, three seasons. I missed one episode because I was moving, because I was literally on the road. And I couldn't, and I, and I, and I, I like my, my, I had no computer. It was all packed up. Three seasons. Oh, sniffly, ooh, sniffly. I'm waiting for him to come into the chat. He, he's not going to come in the chat. He's laying in bed going, oh, oh I need some soup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, I'm so going to give him shit. You're so mean. Anyways. And it was, and it was What's up, everybody? Hope y'all are doing good out there, staying safe. If you're in somewhere that's got snow. <laughs> And Wednesday, Wednesday, he's just like, I don't know if I could do this. I'm feeling bad. I was like, okay, we'll rest up. Yeah, we'll push it to Thursday. And then I come to Thursday. He's like, how are you doing today? I'm even worse. And they're like, oh, son of a bitch. Come on, dude. <laughs> so uh, sad. Omnivores for a man soup. <laughs> it's the way it goes. Wait a second. <laughs> All right, hang on a minute. All right. Well, we got a few things that we're going to chat about tonight before we dive uh, before we dive into our selection. So we'll just we'll just bounce it back and forth. And we got some interesting stuff to talk about, which I think will be cool. And uh, I wanted this to be a real, like a really this. It turns out I thought it was just going to be like you know the end of the year episode was just going to be 
you know, because the movies I selected I had not seen before because they are these are like this is some in some really old and some indie shit. And I was kind of like, right. I'm really, really curious about these films. And we I dove into them. Wow. I number one, I was surprised by our, you know, by the strength of our of the selections that I made. And then on top of that, you know, there's kind of a rabbit hole here, which is wild, which is really you don't normally find that, but I'm glad that we found it. And we'll dive into those here in just a moment. Um, but first. I want to do what I always do, and that is waste a whole bunch of time saying hi to everybody in here because I love everybody that shows up. Y'all are fucking amazing, and you make the show the amazing experience that it is, and I want to acknowledge you. Let me see here. All right, so because I put it up on Wednesday, we had a couple people. I saw that Gavlar, the Hand of Zod, still I love that name, one of our amazing patrons, was uh, one of the first ones in there, and so I know he's not here. He wasn't able to attend. And then, of course, um, I see oh, Alex is dropping out. He's going back. Forth. He'll be back here shortly. And then, of course, I see and uh, Sir Little Wolf was up in here. Yeah, we had we had to push the episode because of unforeseen health issues. And then, of course, uh, Cindy Johnson's in the house. Good to see you, Cindy Johnson. Amazing for you to be here. Say, uh, Travis Brown as well. Thank you so much. There's Alex. And uh, let me see Stellarium Celestia. How's it going? Good to see you. And by the way, um, Stellarium, and it was Stellarium and UKPI. I know UKPI might not be in the room just yet, but uh, your guys' shirts is on the way to you. There was, Teespring had this weird thing where all of a sudden it was making it difficult to ship overseas. So, and I don't know what was going on with that. I had to contact them, had to go back and forth, and I think I've got it figured out. I think so. So hopefully those shirts will get to you ASAP. Um, there was just problems there. I don't know. I don't know what their issue is. Anyway, so we've got. Um, oh, they had a nice long conversation going. Aaron Reese is in the house. Another one of our amazing patrons. Good to see you, Ellen Reese. Hello to you, you fellow fellow degenerate. Nerd Journal's in the house. Good to see you, Nerd Journal. Oh, and speaking of which, why don't I just put it up there? Bam! There's our amazing patrons on the banner below, so you can see everybody who makes this show possible. Charlie Welch is in the house. Good to see you, Charlie Welch. The only man on the internet you never make a bet with. And, of course, Omni Oros Boros. Hey, hey, hey to you. Good to see you. And Jinju's in the house. Says, hello, everyone. Hello to you, too, Jinju. Jinju's been a huge supporter of the show, I think, since, like, the beginning. And so it's always good to see Jinju in the house. Thank you so much, Jinju. Sarcasm's in the house. Another one of our amazing patrons. Good to see you, Sarcasm. And... Um... Gotta scroll down because there was a lot in there. And I think I got everybody. I think I got everyone so far. Fantastic. Everybody oh, quick. Yeah, everybody I see in the chat. Um, but yeah, thank you all so much for being here. It's a pleasure. Um, this is the last show of this is the first thing we're gonna jump into. This is the last show of 2021. 2021 is, I mean, when this goes live, this is gonna be when this goes live, it's literally the 26th. And then the next one we record won't go live until after January, until January. So this is it. This is the last show of 2021. Bro. <laughs> Your silence is. Uh... So we just did the last show of 2020. Like what the fuck happened? Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> it all went so fast. It it's feels wild. like. Uh-huh. I, I've, I've just been in the last, you know, 12 months of life. And uh, the one thing that stayed the same is coming here, you know, mostly every other week and hanging out with everybody in the chat. It's been great. It's fantastic. Still, again, what is this, like the third year we've been doing this? This is insane. Yes. Well, we're coming up on the half. Well, actually, yeah, we started September. So October, November, December, 
So we're like in the second quarter of our third season, uh, getting up there and pretty soon, you know, pretty, pretty soon it'll be September, 2022. And, you know, so yeah, the years are time flies when you're having fun. And that was the point of this show for people in our (laughs) industry, you know, having fun, talking about the things that we love so much. Um, Shinju says, um, you had a child. Those things take most of your time. <laughs> I have four of them. <laughs> that, was, that was the fourth one. They are all girls. <laughs> they are a handful. Yes, they take up a lot of time. They that's do. Why, that's why you really only see me here every other week. There's usually something going on. Uh, Alex's was the first baby born. So, it was the first week in horror baby. I had a child. That's what it is. The first week in horror baby was born, and that's just absolutely Although, amazing. Considering considering it's considering it's number four, I think my chances are pretty good at having the first one. <laughs> so, other than that, let's try and make it. I mean, it's just the two of us, so we will try and make this episode the absolute best that it can be. Um, a couple things that I wanted to to uh, talk about um, before we well actually final episode twenty twenty one that was one of them was number one. I wanted to get your opinion. I didn't know if you heard about this, but there is plans to remake Pumpkinhead. The original yes, Stan, Stan, yeah, Stan Winston directed, and uh, the, you know, I you know, it's a classic. The classic one, Lance Henriksen, is just absolutely amazing. But and I'm, I'm I love that the franchise kind of li- went a little off the rails after Blood Wings <laughs> when they tried to start like expanding out the mythology and everything. But mm. the first one is horror classic and an epic, and then I just. I don't know. In this particular one, with something so unique as what Stan Winston uh, brought to us, I I don't know if I'm for this. I'm at the moment. I'm kind of like sixty forty against, to be honest. I'd go more seventy thirty against. Seventy thirty against. I'm terrified it's going to be a CGI monster. It's been so. It's been you know eighty eight was the first one. It was so long ago. Uh, it was done so well in a vision that you could not replicate with the technology that we have because everything, like you said, it's going to be like, C- <clears throat> I'm assuming I just cut out there. Uh, it's it's kind of like, you know, it's the CGI it, that's going to screw it all up. The practical effects in the, the 88 film is what made that film great. Right. And so, yeah. So full, whole, you know, full on life size, life size monster, you know, for the actors to interact with. That's what makes that movie amazing is because the monster is there people are like looking up at this thing and it's towering over them at like you know eight feet it was like nine feet tall so yeah that that is amazing stan winston outdid himself in the monster creation he directed the movie so it's going to be it's going to be amazing cgi will ruin this thing unless they go 100 percent practical it's going to ruin it just it's the same same kind of worry that i have about the re the christine remake if they go cgi in that car at all i'm going to be really upset it's it's almost inevitable man and that's the that's the hard thing about this is we get to look back at all these amazing things and look at them now and it's like why did you touch that but yeah it's i mm-hmm. i don't know with winston has under his belt i don't know if they can i don't know if he'll sign off on anything that's not great so it's kind of like that's where that 30 percent comes from is there's still you know people behind this that care about the film so right. we'll see how much they care about the film yeah could you imagine though could you imagine how bad they could fuck that up like how fast they could fuck that up too you take that original 88 monster and siege oh it's gonna oh they'd sink it they'd absolutely it's terrifying yeah it's like yeah 
So and, okay, so Travis Brown is asking to come out. So Travis Brown is was like, I guess, what are they talking about? And oh, and Aaron Reese, Aaron Reese is a practical monster is a necessity. Want to polish him with CGI? Cool, but it better be there first. Exactly. We're, you know, we're talking about Pumpkinhead. Right. There is a yeah. potential re, there is a remake um in the works of the original Pumpkinhead, I guess, to attempt to reboot the franchise because nobody's touched it since the direct DVD release releases of I believe three and four. Right. So I love the first, like the first one's a classic. They kind of went off the rails, started going off the rails in two. And it was kind of like, eh, you didn't need to go there. But I, you know, I, I appreciate the kind of try, try to do something new, expand the mythology a little bit. But three and four just went, yeah, you, you don't have to watch them unless you're like a diehard, diehard fan. Otherwise, you know, what, what is this? Just film JL around the house. Boom, there's your monster. It, it's a, it's, it's pumpkin head, not a Sasquatch movie. Okay. <laughs> totally different cryptid. Totally different cryptid. <laughs> so yeah, and I agree. So Little Wolf, no, leave Pumpkinhead alone. Lance is great in it. Lance Henriksen was fucking amazing in that movie. Sold every moment. His arc was incredible. Everything was great. His A, I mean, I just the, the movie is pitch perfect as a horror film with a, just a classic monster movie. You know, everything about that movie was pitch perfect. And it doesn't need to be touched. It doesn't need to be remade. It's just a capitalization, you know, to do it unless they do it right. Which the only the only company I would trust to do it correctly would be Blumhouse. At least that they have respect for what they're doing. <clears throat> but it also depends upon who they got to direct it. Yeah, and what property. Right. I could I could definitely see Blumhouse. They should be in charge of this for sure. With the stuff they've been putting out recently, with the exception of Fantasy Island, that was pretty terrible. <laughs> you know, you can't have, you can't have a hundred percent hits unless you're Chris, unless you're Christopher Nolan, right? Right. Yeah, unless you're Chris Nolan, you can't have a hundred percent hits. Yeah. So, well, I guess we'll wait and see. We'll find out. But I just found out about that, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. Anyway, so um, before we dive, so before we dive in. I just I wanted to go and Johnny would have been interesting to have this you know Johnny I see Johnny's in the chat I see Johnny's up in there and I see oh and I see a couple other people that jumped in um Travis Brown uh wait I think I said is a mixed quality he says a mixed quality with their movies yeah that's true but I'd say they're more hits than they are misses um but I did see Mr. Malord is up in the house good to see you Mr. Malord he joined us for uh the screening last night last night we screened um antlers antlers we finally showed antlers because it finally came out on digital. And I missed it. I was in the car. I streamed it for know, everybody in the Discord. It. And that, that movie is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Scott Cooper directing, Guillermo del Toro producing. The monster was brilliant. I loved it. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. N nothing was just over the top or oversold or like that. Not mm -hmm. a, No heavy reliance on jump scares. The, it was pitch perfect. You, I couldn't have asked for a better for a better Wendigo movie. It's really, really good. So fantastic stuff, um, but I think I saw I saw a plot hole up in here. Even though you know he's got the sniffles, he's good enough to be in a live chat, but not on the show. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna give him shit. I really, really am. Oh, I thought I saw somebody new come in. Other Mar oh, okay, okay. I think we're good. Yeah, if I miss somebody, I apologize. I thought I think I caught everybody. I saw Mr. Malord pop in. All right, good times, uh, Mr. Malord, huh? It's a JL chat. Am I cutting out? You are. Oh. <laughs> is it the meds or does Alex look like he's in a 50s movie? Can, I think it doesn't look like uh, he's in a 50s movie. He'd be in black and white. But you are 
cutting out. Like you'll pause and then it'll lag and then it'll catch back up. You think you keep the audience entertained for like a minute? Sure. Yeah, we can All dive right. into it. All right. I'll be right back. So, um, okay. So Alex is taking a look at his connection right now. So apparently it's just me at the moment. So we are down to one person on the week in horror. It's my greatest fear that I would have to carry the show alone. Um, I need somebody to bounce off of. I need my, you know, my buffers between me and the audience. Um, but man, uh, I have to say, looking back, this is the end of the, the, the final show of 2021. And I kind of want to talk about New Year's plans and resolutions and stuff and like, oh, what's the idea there? But it comes down, it comes down to it. I kind of wanted to, haha, Omni Jail entertains. That's hilarious. That's true. I, I try my best sometimes. Sometimes I am successful. Um, but uh, yeah, I wanted to take the moment to, you know, this last show, of the ep- or this uh, last episode of the year to, to thank all of you, really. Um, it, uh, oh, I will definitely consider that Aaron Reese's need. You need a floor light shining up on Jason. It's hard to make up the features. I will definitely put them up there. I, I, that's a very good idea. So, Okay, so the big point, uh, the major thing is w- none of us would be here without you guys. And you, all of you supporting the show just by show by being here, sharing the show, liking the show, commenting on, you know, you know throwing comments in there, you're helping us with the algorithm. Um, we couldn't do this. We couldn't possibly do this without any of you. And this started out as kind of like just a, a way to be creative without, you know, because we needed something. And it turns out it was like, it was fortuitous. It was right before, you know, the big pandemic hit and people were, you know, work started drying up. People were desperately, you know, filmmakers were desperately trying to jump on things. And, you know, there just wasn't any work because nobody could go out. And so we happened to come up with this idea and I put it together and you know everybody was for it and you know, yeah it just started out as kind of like a fun thing that we were doing and we were just releasing at the very very beginning the very beginning of the show back in 2019 september of 2019 Ooh, where are we going we're going the way way back machine yeah i was just kind of like going back because there's some people in the chat who are just not familiar with kind of like the humble beginnings of our show and back then i remember back then you know august of 2019 we're sitting here trying to put the show together and developing scripts and doing that stuff and then you know we started putting stuff out and it was just audio only so if you go back into our into anchor go to anchor.fm slash weekend horror and you go all the way to the beginning the very first episode well i think i can't remember specifically what we talked i can't remember specifically the movies we talked about it was back when we were doing five movies a show instead of four so jesus christ you mentioned you those episodes oh yeah dude it was, it was just we uh... just it was wild. And we had no format. We had no structure. We didn't really 100% know what we were doing. And we were just kind of like, we're figuring it out. And it was, and of course, people, you know, people weren't latching onto it because, like I said, we had no structure. We we're just kind of all over the place. We were just felt, we were just people talking, you know, guys talking into the microphone about things that we enjoyed. But it was so much fun that we kept going. And slowly but surely the show evolved and we were able to develop a structure, you know, and I was able to start, you know, this is the third, the third uh, schedule book that I actually, sorry, this is the, this is the third schedule book and I'm about to go into the fourth one. 
you know, for all of, for, you know, for everything that we have to deal with and for everything that we do, you know, from, uh, from digital darkness to the daily splatter to, you know, keeping up with all of our patrons that, you know, that this thing keeps me saying thank you to my lovely wife who has provided these for me. So I can constantly, you know, know where I am every day. And I'm about to put another one on the shelf, put another one on the shelf and, and, and crack up another one. And then that one will see us through the end of season three. And so when we look back and then of course, you know, and then, uh, and then Alex and Eugene taking the time and the energy to do this, we did have a previous fourth member who is, you know, we thought was going to be a fourth <laughs> and it did not turn out very well. We actually lost a four, I lost a castmate who was only with, he wasn't with us that off that much, but we had a fourth and then we lost him. And so it was just the three of us carrying on until we met Johnny and I could thank team skeptic, who was a YouTuber, a YouTube content creator who introduced me to Johnny and Johnny ended up becoming a member of the uh, member of weekend horror because he loves the stuff as much as we do. And, and, it's kind of like, you know, he's gotten back into filmmaking. He's really rocking it now. And he's doing that, which because, you know, he made, through me, he met Eugene. And it just, it's fantastic, this little network that we've created. And none of this would have happened if the show hadn't seen some modicum of success. And that is because of all of you. Every single one of you. I, I know we say it a lot, but seriously, this is not possible without you. We, we would just be sitting here having a fucking Zoom meeting if if you guys weren't here. That's how it started, pretty much. Especially, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much started. We were, I think we had no video. Just, just shit software. Yeah, we had like the, like the, we had, yeah. I, think, I think I wrote it out in text. I wrote the script out in text and then sent yep. it to everybody. And then we, or so sent it via Discord. And then we got into the Discord room. And then just we go. I, I made the Discord for Weekend Horror. Then we go into Discord so we could all hear each other. And then we each recorded ourselves via Audacity. And then we had to send the audio files here. So we, so Johnny would have one, uh, Alex or Eugene. And we'd all have our own audio file because we were recording our own audio. And then kicking it over to my wife so that she could put them all together and turn it into an episode. It was a shit show, but it was fun. Man, it was fun. Best advice I ever got. Some of the best advice I ever got. Other than, you know, next to like, you know, marry that woman because no one else will tolerate your ass. Best advice I ever got from a friend <laughs> was do that was do, do this because do do, was just get up off your ass and do it. And it was right. Yeah, it was difficult at times. There have been some serious ups and downs. It happens. But like many people say, you persevere, you keep pushing. And, you know, it, 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 what matters that you believe in the product that you're putting out, you believe in what you're doing, you believe in what you're doing and people will fall. Well, people will, will, that will gravitate to that because hearing people excited to talk about the things that they love, excited that things about they love, that they love excitedly with passion, with knowledge. This is what it's all about. And bringing everybody together in the live chat to voice their opinions, to tell us about their experiences, to interact with us in the comment section, to watch movies with us on Discord, all of this stuff. Or this honestly, is... just, just to have a place to go. That's the thing is we weren't ever planning on you know, <clears throat> capitalizing on any of this. And it's not like that's even the case. It's not like, oh, we're going to do this and become rich. It was like, hey, you want to do this thing? And we're like, shit, yeah. Then we had a fucking blast. 
and then we looked really stupid and we got embarrassed and it took <laughs> it took jail forever to pull the trigger on making it like a thing for people to listen right into and then he got just totally you got so nervous about the whole thing and we were just like do it just put it out fuck it like what who cares what people think <laughs> and then it turned into something and now there's a community behind it we get to talk to you guys every week and you know we've got we've got our you know own things going on in our lives and we're all at different levels on this thing but at the at the end of the day we all sit down and we have a conversation about where we were and where we came to and how amazing it's been with all you guys and and just having the community to kind of talk to if you know right. if, I'm having a bad day i'll jump in the discord like hey what's up and so it's it's a uh, it's a good place i appreciate it i appreciate all of you and see th this right here this this just warms my heart it really really does aaron reese there is so much shit horror content on youtube it's nice to see someone approach it seriously and i and that that right there just makes me just it makes me feel like we've completely and totally succeeded because as much fun as we have on these shows as much you know as much as much as we laugh our asses off and you know we try you know we, we have as much, as much fun as we have we do take it seriously our the way the way we view the horror genre and it, it's not like that for everybody we understand that it's very very niche trust me i have learned really how niche it is in trying to market this show to this to this audience and it ain't fucking e it ain't fucking easy it's not, but it's, but in attempting to do so, I have learned more about the genre that I love and I have learned more about the people who, who are in it. And that has been an experience I would not trade for anything. These are waters I never waded into. And I am so glad I did. I am so glad that I had my friends with me when I did it. And I am so thankful for the people that I have met who have made this whole journey worthwhile. The opportunities it has opened for us has been incredible. The opportunities that are that our patrons and our subscribers have opened up for us, just, it's a, we made a movie. We were in the process of making more movies because of y'all. I mean, what, what can I say to that? Make the movie. Do the thing, do the thing. What thing? Do the thing. If you've ever got any, I feel doubt like I need to mind, dance. If, if you've ever got any doubt in your mind on doing something, just do. The oh thing. yeah, there you go. Okay, yeah, Advi yeah, the advice. Yes, do the thing. That's that's, just, yeah. that's as easy as it is. Just do the thing. It's terrifying, and it makes you like sweat, and you got to like change shirts, and you're gonna. <laughs> I feel like you want to puke, and sometimes you're gonna look at yourself, and sometimes you're gonna look at yourself in the mirror, and you're gonna be like, "That was fucking stupid. You made yourself look like an idiot." But the thing's gonna be there, and that's your thing. It's your thing. Do the thing. Yeah, apparently, uh, yeah. I mean, it happens, you know. But you, like you said, you, you persevere. You keep pushing through. You realize that not every not every episode is going to be a banger, but some episodes are going to be fucking amazing. It's the way it's the way it goes. And um, so, Aaron Reese actually asked, "Did he die in a horrible accident? If not, whatever reason he gave is BS." Actually, this is a funny story for those who haven't heard it, and it's a short story. And. <laughs> It, sadly, it's a short story. <laughs> um, our for, our <laughs> former fourth cast member, we brought him on. He was a dude. He was a he's a really good dude. He really is. He's he's he just some things just happen, and I'm still friends with him. You know, we still chat. You know, every once in a while, I met him while shooting a horror movie. So I was in a Cthulhu inspired horror film, 
and he happened to have a small role in it, and that's where we met. And he really loves the horror genre, and he was just getting into acting. Like, like that was like his first major uh, film. So we were working together, and I had, you know, I had a larger role like that. But I, you know, every time we were off camera, I was, you know, we would sit there, we would just chat about stuff, and I was remembered him. So it was like, wow, we, we may need a fourth person. So I contacted him up, and it was like, hey, dude, what do you think? He was like, oh, hell yeah, that sounds amazing. I've never done the podcast. That would be cool. It's like, so we we started getting getting together. Um, and if you listen. You, you, if you listen at early episodes, you'll catch him. He's in there. He's in there. So there, there, I think there's like one or two episodes, maybe one, maybe one or two. I'm not sure. Like I said, it was a short story. Unfortunately, we did an episode. <laughs> we went to record an episode, <laughs> and it was me, Alex, and, and him. Was it was it you and him, or was it Eugene and him? No, it was or, you. And it was Eugene. Okay, so it was me, Eugene, and the other guy. I had to clean up the fucking four-hour slack afterwards. Right, exactly. Okay, so it was me, Eugene, and the other dude. <laughs> and we get through the episode, and it was actually really good. It was actually really, you know, that the energy was solid. We were flowing. We were getting used to things, and everything was solid. And then we find out after the fact, like two days after the fact, I, I still haven't received his audio. I've got Eugene's audio. I've got my audio. Where is his audio? He didn't hit record. <laughs> so it's like, what? So we record, we were recording. I think that then we were recording on Tuesdays, right? I think it was Tuesdays. Yeah. It was Tuesdays. So two days have gone by. It's now Thursday. The show has to go out on Sunday. So now we're stuck. And I'm like, what the hell? All right, so we need to do the next, we need to do like the next episode. So we grab Alex. Alex comes in with me and Eugene. And we do, and so, so I called him up and I was like, hey, dude, because um, he says, hey, I didn't record the audio. I'm like, Are, <laughs> like what? Like what? There's no audio. There's no episode. There's no show. It was like, so we need to do it again. And he never, and he, he literally ghosted me for like, like six months. He didn't contact me. And I kept trying to get him. I was like, dude, it's okay. It's all right. He was so embarrassed by what he had done that he just thought he would ghost me and I would just go away. Like, no, it didn't exist. And he just went over there. <laughs> I feel bad for the dude. But it was funny. So, oh, it wasn't funny at the time. At the time, I was fucking livid. I was so fucking mad. And then to turn around and to fix it because we did not miss an upload. We didn't. The only time we've only, I think once we uploaded a day late and that was because the internet was completely down because they were doing construction and they knocked out the internet and I couldn't get online to upload the audio. So the audio uploaded like on Monday instead. So that was like the one day we've been, we were, we were late with a, with an audio. And so to make up for this, I call Alex, get Alex on the horn, get Eugene on the horn. We have to do the show again. And Eugene is, <laughs> Eugene is like, what? I haven't slept in like, six days. And Alex is like, "What?" It's like, "Yeah." So we do the show again, <laughs> but we had to do we had to do a twofer. So it was a double header. We had to do two episodes in one night in order to stay on schedule, and that was brutal. That it was, was not. It was not easy. I'd seriously by the end of it, and because we weren't using cameras then, so we were just. I had my my whole setup like I moved everything to the corner of the room. I had like a chair, and I just at the end of it, I was sitting on the floor in the corner of my room. With... 
with my computer on a pillow. My computer was on the pillow and I had books stacked up so I could put my microphone on it. And I was like laying against the wall. It was, te- it was like, it was like five and a half hours. It was like, yeah, I think it was like a little over five hours uh, with that. The episode's done. That was insane. It was nuts. Oh but we God. powered through it. That That's what it is, you know? And th- these are the things that you run into and happen. Then occasionally you have co-hosts that are like, get the sniffle, do the kid, come on. <laughs> we deal with this. This is what we deal with, you know? But I wanted I wanted to, before we dive into the movies Listen, tonight. he's dealing with my tech behind the scenes right now. <laughs> I noticed there's some camera issue that he's got on. So uh, the messages are popping up on my phone. I have no idea why this is lagging so fucking hard. Sorry. I it is, but I mean, I know. I'm sorry. I've got like three, almost 300 meg up and down. I don't know what's going on. Oh, uh, let me see here. I think we got some. Let me just make sure I uh, didn't miss anybody new popping in because I see we have some new people in the stream. I want to say hi to everybody that I didn't that I miss. And the George says, "Is yo JL, love you, man. Love you too, George. Good to see you, sir. Thank you so much." And I think I think they. Oh, they're talking about why Cthulhu movies suck. <laughs> many of them do. Many, many of them really, really do. And if the moderators wouldn't mind handling that uh, spam bot that just popped up, whose name is in Cyrillic, please feel free to shut that down. All right. And Jinju says, now we have a real backstory for Jail's belief in ghosts because I was ghosted by a, by a castmate. <laughs> and, and, I mean, what do you, what do you say? Um, let me see. Aaron Reese, I literally had cow enzymes dripped into my bloodstream today, and, and I show and I showed. That's all I'm saying. Aaron Reese is the man. Aaron Reese <laughs> is the man. Oh, uh, and the George said, nope, Eugene is not available tonight. Eugene is out doing the Spielberg thing. He is just rocking it. And uh uh Johnny has the sniffles and uh he's got a man cold and he just couldn't deal with it. So he's like, so he's he's cuddled up in bed, you know. While uh, Erica, you know, powers through, takes care of all of the kids and brings him soup. All right, <laughs> never gonna let, I'm never gonna let it go, ever. <laughs> I'm gonna hammer him with. Jesus. Oh, he's probably yo. Well, watch this. He's got the link. He'll probably just be so annoyed. He'll jump in and be like, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, that would be funny. Okay, so um, looking at the structure, I guess we'll just go back and forth. And so I think it's been, unless there's anything. Uh, oh, yeah, that's what I want to say. So I guess to close that up before we dive into our movies, I wanted to a giant thank you to everyone, to all of our patrons, to all of our channel subscribers. You know, we're going up into, uh, we're about to go into 2022, brand new year. Don't know what's going to happen, but I will guarantee this. This show will stay on the scheduled time as best I can, Wednesday or Thursday, but typically Wednesday 7 p.m. until there are no more horror movies to talk about. I, I, I'm not, I, if we may be covering one, we may be covering one horror movie, one horror movie we can talk about because we talked about all the rest. But there are plenty to go around. On the final 12, we're just going to have to do like <laughs> once a month. <laughs> just one once a month. a month. Hey, Joe, what's up? Yeah, that movie was great. All right, see you next month. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, Alex, anything you want to say before we dive in? Uh, just same thing. Thank you guys so much for showing up every week. I know, you know, we've got we've got a lot going on here all the time. And sometimes it's not smooth. Like right now, for whatever reason, uh, camera keeps cutting out. Um 
but seriously thank you guys and i look forward to the next year man i i see i see bigger things in our future mm-hmm. big times we can't wait to bring all of you along with us hell yeah it'll be fun keep your eyes peeled to the uh to the community deal because we'll be something interesting we'll be dropping about nail gun here soon and i cannot wait to share it with y'all it's gonna be a lot of fun it's gonna be good all right so alex yes what do we have up first let's dive into these fuckers because i'm really curious to talk about them so so this is going to be one of those things where it's like i hope i watched the right fucking movie because these ones were all so fucking weird um hard to find except for i think one of them was was pretty good well i, I yeah i had to i had to find like w- really weird obscure links so you could track it so you could track them down and well, this one this one was actually okay i liked this um let's talk about this movie real quick because it's going to get weird uh this is darker man and it came out december 26th this was a film written and directed by brian avenette bradley um sorry greg thompson sherry christian and scott hodges this was, <laughs> so, as JL puts it, it was a surprisingly strong film. So this follows a couple whose dead daughter uh, seems to be speaking out to them from the other side. Uh, pretty, pretty popular trope that was done surprisingly well in this film. Um, this one was really hard to find anything on. Right. Uh, outside of just watching anything that it was related to kind of kind of disappeared uh into the internet looking for anything outside of just this film from this director and everything it was kind of it was kind of low-key but yeah it was a, a dead daughter kind of classic trope of the parents get mad at each other but then kind of become stuck together due to the poltergeist type activity that happens surrounding the photographs <laughs> um the picture thing was kind of cool See, uh, that, that was what that was what got me. Okay, so the, uh, this movie was incredibly difficult to find, and um, I was able to find a physical copy of it, but I wouldn't have it wouldn't have got with shipping. It wouldn't have gotten to me until like the thirtieth. So uh, I had to go online and try, and try to find somewhere that, that that had it posted, and I was able to find it. Um, and I watched it a couple. I had to watch it a couple of times because. Uh, the it was okay so the, the the quality of it wasn't great is what no. it was so the quality wasn't great but i had watched it a couple of times and it was a I recording say, of a recording and so what i saw there you know and it was on youtube is where i found it so what i saw there this was and i and i actually ordered the copy so i can actually i want to actually watch the film um as it's meant to be as it's meant to be uh watched so i bought a copy there and i mean i'm having it shipped over but it was a surprisingly strong film for the amount of budget that they had on this. And the, the, this is shoestring. This is very, very shoestring, but despite being shoestring, this is how you do this. is This is basic. This is just classic filmmaking, filmmaking 101. Okay. Casting is very, very important. Writing very, very important. It does not matter how much money you have to work with. If your script is solid, if your acting is on part if you if you're casting if you cast this thing correctly go through that process don't just grab people that look good don't just you know grab people that you think look good across from each other that helps but it also helps if your people if, if the individuals that you cast can actually tell the story and actually convey what's going on so we've got a fantastic and of course cinematography shooting the thing know how to handle your camera this particular film 
was I thought just nailed it was firing all cylinders that not to mention a pretty good story nice atmospheric setting and really really solid acting that drove this performance of this this, this couple whose daughter is murdered and then to kind of like escape the trauma of that even briefly to get a respite from that trauma wind up encountering the going to this cabin and encountering is spirits that are haunting this cabin as a result of actions that took place in the cabin years ago from another killer. And, you know, and then of course the, you know, the daughter there to kind of try and warn them and try to convey messages from beyond. And, and then of course it descends into, you know, it, it never gets too much, but the one, and the one thing that, that stood out was I love how it touched on the psychological trope of very, very uh, haunting of Hill House, where the characters bring. Oh, it's not just a matter of there are ghosts in there because there are absolutely ghosts in this cabin. You know, lots of them. there's definitely okay? fucking ghosts in the cabin. Definitely ghosts in the cabin, but there's also the matter of bringing ghosts with you, and I like that. It's not just a matter of people being besieged by ghosts. It's the idea that the haunted house is haunted because of what you have brought into the house that your trauma and your baggage, that you you carry them with you, that those are what are haunting you. And then you bring that into the house and it becomes the haunted house. Your, your ghosts come with you. And I love that concept because her trauma from, from the death of her daughter and the trauma of, and, it, and of course the father's trauma of having to deal with, my wife is not the strong one. I must be the strong one and I'm not dealing with this and how this played, and then he's got to be there for her. He's got to deal with his own grief. And then, of course, they're in a cabin. They're stuck in a cabin that is full of violent, you know, ghosts that met violent ends. So I loved this. Oh, uh, Sir Little Wolf, uh, he says you cut out a little bit. The name of the movie is Dark Remains. And so this one uh, played with that. And I loved that it touched on that. So it, it, it gave some depth and some nuance to this because – you never really know when she's dealing with if she's dealing with the ghost of her daughter or if it's a hallucination of her daughter from her unresolved trauma. Right. And then of course, when you're hallucinating your daughter in a house full of ghosts who are violent and angry. And I loved that spin. It was really just it was done very well and very respectfully. It was, I would say, almost, almost with class. It wasn't overwrought. They didn't, they didn't try to oversell. And I loved the effects. The ghosts looked amazing, and they were creepy as fuck. And it wasn't just the parent. It wasn't just the the the, the couple. It was their friends too. Everybody who walks this place sees shit. So, and I, I, I just thought really, really strong uh, performances across the board. And I love what they did. A nice, eerie, atmospheric, and creepy. A uh, little, just a little kind of like single location, uh, a horror film. I dug it. But then uh, the, I'm still a little mixed on the ending. It, it did the whole, it gave you multiple options and you were supposed to kind of think about it type situation. Right. Yeah. But it didn't give you enough to make it an in-depth thought. It was, I mean, it, it was either, it was either cut. It was one side or it was the other side. And that's the thing. I get that 
I get the thing that the message of the movie, the message of the movie was conveying, was just conveying oh, a story about unresolved trauma and how these things infect our lives. They infect our perceptions of what's going on around us. They blind us to things that may be obvious to others. And I understand that. And how her, how she dealt with the ghost in response to her daughter, thinking that her daughter was trying to contact her, which it's never really confirmed that that was what was happening. And then the husband right. trying to deal with this. He's not seeing the daughter and not getting any messages, but he is having supernatural experiences. So we have two people in the same space and dealing from this, you know, reeling from the same trauma, dealing with this new circumstance in completely different ways, which puts, you know, the dynamic there, not to mention the individuals who are in the area, especially the killer, um, who is responsible for everything that's going on. They're all aware. Everybody's, you know, trying to like, you know, suss out what the hell is going on. And that's why this one plays so well. And that's why I'm mixed on the ending. Typically, I don't think I would like an ending like this, but it goes with the message. That's why I'm a little bit mixed. I both like it and I don't like it because sometimes I just don't like ambiguity for the sake of ambiguity. But that's where this goes with this because that final shot, you know, because unfortunately, you know, this one came out in 2006. So, you know, moratorium, there's no moratorium on spoilers (laughs) because as they go through the, as they, as they get to the final conflict, the wife, is mortally wounded and at the last it kind of like in her last bits as she's like you know she's able to kind of like come out of that and come to terms with what's going on and her husband is also you know badly wounded as well so the husband's down the wife is down they finally they overcome the killer and then she's kind of come to terms with they have this moment where she's kind of regained her senses and then then we find out later that she that she's died in the kind of like the epilogue we find out that she's that she died from her injuries so the father is now alone. The husband's now alone. No ghosts, because the minute they kill the bad guy, like the killer, the minute the killer winds up getting killed, all the ghosts vanish. So they wanted revenge. And so all the ghosts disappear. They're reve- you know, they, they, now the killer is dead, so now they can move on. And now we have the father all alone. Now he's all alone in a cabin. No, His wife is gone. Daughter is gone. The killer is gone. It was the guy who owned the cabin. Killer is gone. Everyone is gone. He's all, he's alone. And he said, sit there. And so the final shot of him, he, he finds a, he finds this gun that was kind of like a Chekhov's gun, like earlier in the deal uh, that he comes across. And then, you know, he picks up this gun that he found and he's sitting there in the swing in like the porch swing. And he has his coffee there and he's like, and he's just holding the gun in his lap, like kind of staring off in the distance. And that's how the movie ends. So, I get that, what it's trying to convey. I was just, it was so down, the, the, the third act was so down, I would have liked a little bit of an upper. Right. Yeah, a little bit more of an up ending, maybe a little bit of resolution. It's not like he got to, it's not like, it wasn't like he got to resolve anything with his wife, wife's ghost. Like he saw the ghost and she's happy and she's moved on with the daughter. It wasn't like that. It was, she just dies and that's it. You know, like well, that's shit. why he's gonna go see her. He's gonna kill himself. He knows that he knows that she's there. He knows that there's stuff going on afterwards. So he's gonna he's gonna take that chance and try to go find her and figure it out. Or maybe he realized that that was his trauma and he's done with it. And he's like, maybe I shouldn't because now they're gone and I can be happy. Oh, that's you know, that's <laughs> that's really a rough. big thing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the thing about it is that's like the whole about, thing is it's like if you are you thinking about what you say what you just no said? no 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 I, I love my life. I love my life um I love you baby 
Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, if you don't take care of your trauma, it will affect everything around you. Not just Mm -hmm. you, but the people and the spaces that you you, uh, take up. And so... (laughs) And so if you, you know, that's going to follow you for the rest of your life until you fight it. That's what the killer is. You know, you get to fight your trauma, you get to let it go. And then, like you said, it's like, there's no resolution and there is no resolve. If he kills himself, yeah, then he gets to go see his wife, whatever. If not, then he's got to get over it and move on. There's no like continuance to the story. That's right. it, which is cut and dry, which is nice sometimes. Sometimes it's good to have that kind of closure, but um, just kind of leave it. It is what it is and move on. Mm-hmm. And I also dug. I dug the but, fact that, yeah, yeah the... With the, the, the strength and the acting. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, with the strength with the strength and the acting in, like, the first two parts, and then you get to the third act, and it gets kind of down, like you said. It does kind of drag the whole thing down. Um, it definitely could have been maybe rewritten a little with bit. All the, but, yeah, with all the, the big resolution that we have, we have the killer's dead. All the ghosts have been freed. They have resolved their trauma. You know, they, they've gone through the, they've gone through this huge shared experience. Justice has been met. And then what are you going to do? And that that's what got me is right. like there is it, it gets to a point and then it's kind of like. But then again, th- that's why I didn't dig it is because I had this I had this kind of like momentum going in the movie. And all of a sudden it just kind of drops off and I didn't dig that. But I do kind of dig it because that's very reflective of real life. Right. It's realistic in that sense because sometimes in in real life there is no grand denouement. There's just that's it, and then you just carry on. The world keeps on spinning. So I can say personally, yeah, then you move like, yeah, I can say personally what it what it invoke what it invoked to me, and this is this is gonna be getting a little personal, was that it was right after my right after my father passed. Um, this back in two thousand three. Right immediately after, the day after, like we got the news, and it was the day after. What and then what triggered what, what triggered the moment was um, I had finally managed to get to sleep. I woke up. I was it was just we were all distraught. It was just, it was an absolute just shit time. I wake up and like thirty minutes after I wake up, um, I slept on the couch. It was just, it was just gross. So I slept on the couch. And I wake up 30 minutes later, there's a phone call. My mother is distraught. She can't deal. She, she, she's dealing with her deal. My brother is a mess as well. You know, everything is just chaos. Because when this happens, it does. It just Everything just becomes chaotic. You have no idea what's going to happen. So there's a phone call. And I say, okay, I'll, I just woke up. I'm kind of like, I'm in the head. So I'll, I'll go ahead and take the phone call. The phone call was a telemarketer. Actually, it was a bill collector looking for my father. And it wasn't the fact that it was a bill collector looking looking for my father. It was a reminder that the world spins on. Right. And that suddenly this, it was so important to me, but it's not important to the world because the other world, because the world doesn't know the world is unaware. And that came into sharp relief. And that, but that moment was, was very pivotal for me because it helped me to understand other people better this is not their fault this is just this is just the world i just never encountered this you know it's a rare it's a rare moment so in this moment i saw that reflected in this film that it hit me like that that he is in that moment he is sitting on that chair and the world is spinning on he's gone through this incredible experience but the world spins on 
keeps going. And that's what got me. And I was kind of like, huh. And that, I mean, that's why this was a bit of a little bit of an enchanting movie. I kind of, I really dug this one. It was. <laughs> so I have to admit, it hit me in a way I didn't expect, which is what's awesome sometimes about these indie movies. I can't believe this thing didn't get, this, this, I think this was a, a direct-to-DVD release. And it's even then it was small, small run and very, very difficult to find. So, which is, which is sad because, I mean, even if you want, you could remake this film and make it even better. You really could with, with the budget behind it. You could make this into a real solid, you know, thriller, a real solid cat and mouse thriller. Serious psychological thriller for sure. Right. You could, but I like it this way. I really do. And I see Tina Jones is in the house. Good to see you, Tina Jones. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Uh, mods go ahead and handle those crazy uh bots that are popping in. I see another one has popped in. Damn those bots. So many bots. Yeah, yeah. We're so big now that we got bots. We got bots jumping in trying to sell you shit or steal or steal your shit is what they're trying to do. Um, and Aaron Reese says, unfortunately, life isn't divided into chapters. One moment bleeds to the next for better or for worse. And that's true. And I think no. No genre depicts that better than the horror genre. Not because life is a horror show, but because life does have those horrific moments, even if they're quiet, introspective moments when you realize things. That when you realize things just may not be what you thought they were. And I like, and, and that got me. That's why, for, you know, and not everybody's going to share the same experience, but that's what really hit it for me. So really, so I was kind of a potent moment there in this tiny little indie film that I was I was barely able to find a copy of it. To be perfectly honest, the one that we watched was in fucking German. <laughs> so actually, I did do some translating. It was, it was it was like somebody took their cell phone and recorded it. Yeah. So, but what I will do is I've got my physical copy coming. So I ordered a physical copy. It's on the way to me. And what I will do is eventually I was I will uh, take this, I'll add it to my digital collection, and then we'll watch it in Discord. I will stream this in Discord so everybody can see it. And I know not everybody's going to like it, but I think this one deserves to be seen. The director did a really fantastic job. The actors worked their asses off. I really enjoyed everything they brought to it. And it's like none of these people, you know, none of them, not the actors, not the director, not even director Brian, uh, Brian Bradley, or Brian Bradley, not even he really have gone, have like exploded anywhere. This is 2006. I think they deserve a little bit of recognition for the work they did. They got it in the fucking can. They told a good story. I want people to see that. Yeah. Yeah, and no, it's like you said, it's not It's not a bad movie. I mean, the copy we had was shit. You can find it for, I think it's like 22 bucks on Amazon or something. You could order it off of there and see it. It's actually... The it's got a great story. It's got a great storyline. It's got great acting. It's got, you know, an ending that makes you think. And like you said, you, you made a personal connection to it right away. So yeah, good film overall. Yeah. Um, that brings me to the audience. I'd like to ask the audience because we just talked about how down of an ending this was. Do you like up endings in movies or down endings in movies? I personally love psychological thrillers that make you think really hard, but I also like some closure, some, you know, it doesn't matter if it's closure at the end of a movie is always nice. Oh, yeah. And that's, I mean, I was just looking at this. I wanted to pull it up. So looking at this thing, like Variety. So these are the, the reviews that came in about this. Variety said um, 
a genuinely creepy ghost story that packs maximum dread for real. Bloody Disgusting rated it four out of five stars. Said all in all, uh, Dark Remains is a suspense film, the like of uh, the likes of which ha hasn't been released in a long time. Uh, Joshua Seabolt of Dread Central gave it 3.5 out of 5. Said all in all, Dark, uh, Dark Remains is a very solid ghost story with enough attention to detail and characterization to set aside from its contemporaries. And uh, Horror Society said, if you are a horror fan, I would really encourage you to watch it and see how the director is greatly influenced by old ghost films as well as new age ones. So really solid movie. I'm, I'm bummed that it didn't get and it, and it even won like Best Picture. It won Best Picture at the, two, at the 2005 Rhode Island International Horror Film Festival. Really? So, yeah, and then nothing. So, unfortunately, that's the industry sometimes. Sometimes you, you roll the snowball and you catch a little bit of steam, and then it, it, then it just it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't always make it all the way to the bottom of the mountain. But, you know, I want to I show give some credit to, the, to, uh, to, the, to this fine group of people that actually did this. And uh, definitely let us know. Let's see. People said... Um, in response to perfect, prefer up or down endings. Uh, Travis Brown says a mix of both. I think it depends. And a lot of people said, plot hole said, depends on the movie. Tina Jones says, depends on the story. Absolutely, it does depend. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it does not. Nerd Journal says, depends on how they approach it. But I am a sucker for happy endings sometimes. Agreed. Sometimes you just like to have a happy ending. Sometimes. Sir Little Wolf says, if it's a horror movie, I like down endings. Not counting the ending to the mist. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you've been following this uh, podcast, this is an ongoing thing. Is yep. my, I don't want to say hatred. Hatred is a strong word. I reserve my rage? hatred. I reserve my hatred for the knife game. Burning my rage. Fiery fucking rage. My rage. My rage at the ending of The Mist is legendary. The Heat of a Thousand yeah. Suns, Superfly TNT, The Guns of the Navarone. <laughs> uh, uh, Plotl says, wait, is Elvira in the movie? If yes, then I like upper endings. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the George says, I like up endings. There's nothing like the horror teens laughing and smiling after their friends were eviscerated. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Reese says, either way, as long as it doesn't feel like they try too hard. And Nerd Journal says, depends on how they approach it. But I am a sucker. Oh, yeah. It says, I'm a sucker for happy. And this is very true. Very true. And so Little Wolf says, if it's a horror, oh, yeah. And then uh, I think Miss Harold was repeating people there. Oh, and Skitch Crasher. Good to see you, Skitch Crasher. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Fantastic. All right. Well, definitely let us know. Do you prefer up or down endings in your horror movies? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you down in the comments below or at weekendhorror at gmail.com. All right. So I guess the next one's on me, right? Yeah. We're going to fight through this thing as best yeah. we can. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to fight uh, through it. Oh, this next one we have coming up is <laughs> we're going to go we're going to go back in the way back in the way back machine to December 30th, 1964, and the movie is The Night Walker. So the Night Walker, directed by William Castle and written by Robert Block. If you don't remember Robert Block, Robert Block is uh, the writer of Psycho. Something cool about that one. Starring Robert Taylor, Barbara Stanwyck, and Judy Meredith. Um, 
this is an interesting movie, and I'm glad that I found a really solid copy of it. I enjoyed. Uh, I really, I really dug uh, this particular one. I love classic black and white movies, and it was interesting because this is the the Nightwalker was the last black and white film released by Universal Studios, and the final film uh, appearance of Barbara of legendary actress Barbara Stanwyck. Now, the film follows a um, the wife of a re- kind of reclusive multimillionaire. Uh, inventor who is uh, who is also blind and very very jealous and possessive of his beautiful wife and so after his death um after the death of her uh, the, the supposed death of her husband in an explosion in his laboratory um the wife begins to dive deeper and deeper into a recurring dream that she has had even when her husband was alive of this mysterious gentleman caller who would come to her and take her on dates and it was like her it was like having an affair in a dream so every time she would go to sleep she would encounter this individual then her husband dies and then the dreams become stronger and stronger and stronger until she begins to realize things are not what they seem and more sinister things are afoot involving a number of interesting characters all around her including her lawyer and her co-workers and of course the night walker himself <laughs> the dream as he is credited so an intriguing the dream i know right and i okay i love simplistic filmmaking i really really do this is a classic psychological horror while they classify it as horror it's 1964 so this is four years after psycho came out and some people don't even classify psycho as a horror film they classify that as a thriller and uh I actually I would consider this a psychological horror film because it, you know, as it turns out, everybody around this poor woman, you know, including I mean everyone around her is literally fucking with her. Yeah, and that's what's <laughs> wild. Everyone is fucking with this poor this poor girl. Her For husband no was reason. an asshole, huh? For no reason. For, well, to get her money. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but oh, I guess it's all of, it's all yeah, a ploy yes. to get her money. <laughs> everyone is fucking with her. Like her husband is an asshole, a possessive fucking douche who winds up getting murdered. The and then the lawyer, the guy who's the dream, who is in, in cahoots with the lawyer because the dreams weren't dreams. Okay. Right. And then the law, the guy, the dream, his actual fiance, who is a co-worker of hers at the at the little beauty shop that she that she, she owns. She knew the fucking info. exactly everybody is in on it to drive this woman insane but her strength of character and her will persevere so eventually they're just like fuck it we're just gonna have to kill the broad and they try to but it descends into absolute chaos as everyone starts trying to basically play king of the hill and come to the, the the you know the giant climax in there, and then of course throw in her husband keeps you know her, you know her husband keeps showing up. We don't know if it's hallucinations or not, but it definitely blends the secret you know, of like what is dreaming and what is not. What I enjoyed this. What is I, the Ashton Kutcher and um, Ashton Kutcher movie where he's like a Ashton Kutcher? Is it Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, or is it Ashton Kutcher and? Uh, Fuck, I forgot what the fuck it was called. Somebody in the chat knows. He's a secret agent and like marries into suburban life. And no, it was that blonde chick from uh 
whatever. Anyways, it had those vibes with everybody around her. It was always watching her. There was always somebody knew what was going on, but didn't say anything. And you know, you knew what was going on about halfway through the movie. I mean, it was actually, I figured it out. I figured it out real quick because, um, it was kind of a shit story, honestly. See, I'm the opposite of you on this one. This one, I, I can't agree. Well, I didn't. I did not find this one entertaining. In the really, story. it was so weird, and the story was garbage. And I mean, <laughs> damn, the, the acting was pretty good. There was a lot of good aspects of it being like, kind of on the verge of being something kind of new and exciting. But I just it didn't do it. I don't know. This one was hard for me to watch. It was weird. There was it was hard to follow. There was like really like, it was going on right away. I don't know. Could have been done. I myself, I dug it. Could have been done it. now. Oh yeah, I, I think I, now. I, I think I really, really dig this one because I love. Um, Killers. I love, That's what it was in your journal. Thank you. It's called. Killers. I love simplistic filmmaking. I love uh, just just bare bones. You know, we have our sets. We have we're storytelling. There was almost an almost theatrical aspect to this, like watching a live production. Because it's not like you have a lot of dynamic camera angles. All in, at this time, 1960, uh, this time 1964, and you know, whatever plot hole spoiling a movie from 1964, whatever. The last black and white movie that was you know released by Universal. So in this particular one, I you don't have dynamic camera shots. There's not a lot, there's not there's no jump cuts. It's bam. We set the camera, and the camera is set. Basic thing, the camera is set. Hit your fucking mark, deliver your line, do it solidly, and we'll move the camera when we need to move the camera. When you basically had like three shots that you were working with, you were working with your two T, you're working with your wide, and you're working with your close up, or and and an ECU like an extreme close up, you know, to convey like ah uh, in the right. face. But most of the night, it was like there was a lot of that, right? And then the, there's your wide, and then there's your two T, which is tits, your chest up. You know, and then that's pretty much it. And I love simplistic filmmaking because it it allows it puts more onus on the actors to tell the story. When you're trying to tell, when when you have to rely upon your technology to tell the story, that's aggravating to me because that's not that that to me is not how you tell a story. I mean, it's a way to tell a story. Maybe I'm just old school. I don't like the camera or the editing having to tell a story for me. They help with the story in order to convey perspective. But I True. don't like it when that that they are the primary storytellers. I want my I want the actors to tell me. I want to see them emote. I want to see them in their moments when they're going through when they are, their, their internalization, their processing. I want to see that's happening on screen. That's why I also love black and white films is because with color, especially with color, with color saturation, depending on how heavily it's saturated or however it's color corrected, you can lose something in the face when it's conveying emotion. Black and white, I absolutely love it, which is why I've always been hardcore against this whole switch to color headshots in Hollywood. Now everybody does color headshots. I like black and white headshots. Black and white headshots, you have to look at the person and see what they could give to the camera. I think there's a little bit lost. It kind of like takes the edge off. Listen, it's a little bit lost in color. Don't don't worry. On the new website, I used your black and white headshot. <laughs> so let me that. let me put it into this perspective. Unlike tonight, there's a lot of plot holes in this movie. See what I did there? See what I did there? Nobody. Okay. That was um, nice. No, no. I was 
I, just, I didn't want to. Smell, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. I have expensive equipment but there was, here. There was. There, there was a lot of. There's a lot of holes. Just apparently, I got some lag spike there. But yeah, there was. There was a lot you've of. Had holes. A lot, you've had a lot of lag spikes. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the right time to reboot. I'm trying to find the right time to reboot my router because it's my router. I finally pinned it down. Uh, I um, know. <laughs> trust me, I'm sitting here monitoring it. It's terrible. I feel like shit. Anyways, <laughs> oh, um, the plot hole. That was a good. Yeah, plot hole reacted to your comment. <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. Unlike uh, tonight. That's right. Zing. <laughs> oh, burn. <laughs> <laughs> self burn those are rare oh and plot hole um, says one of the plot holes is alex's connection oh <laughs> they hit you in the technology right in the tech right in the tech <laughs> i've got fucking 500 megabyte internet and i'm lag spiking it's it's embarrassing uh, uh, i swear for christmas i'm buying myself oh computer parts <laughs> You were like, for this Christmas, I'm buying myself. <laughs> that was perfect. Computer funny. equipment. Computer equipment. See, Jesus Christ. Oh, that was great. Oh, Aaron races. It's like watching fucking Max Headroom. Seriously, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. We're gonna we're we're we'll, we're gonna have to short. We're gonna have to like you know fix this up. And uh, luckily, post. it's just the two of us. We'll have to fix it up in post. We this will. will be a post thing. Plug your, says, shit, plug your <laughs> shit directly into the router. He's got a point. Mine is. Let me let me screen share with let me screen share with you. It is. It's not. It's the router's fucking up. I got to restart it. So do you want to do a three minute segment real quick while I reboot? I uh, yeah, we can do whatever you need to do. All right, let me. He's dealing with this tech. I'm good. I'm good. No, it's not you. It's me. It's it's my it's my router for sure. Yeah. I got to I got to reboot it. So yeah, see if you can do your thing. So, yeah. Sing your dance or something. I'll be see, right this back. is this is intriguing. So I'm going to go like this. So and um, somebody had popped in there. Aaron Reese popped in there. So, yes, absolutely, Aaron Reese. Yeah, but I but I bet you still love Kubrick like the rest of us in the photography group. He's an, absolutely. I love Kubrick's work and I love what he did. But Kubrick was also a, not only a master at filming and, and you know like like you could say that every frame was like a painting exactly the way he wanted it. And I get that even to the, you know, even to the tune of like 127 takes, you know, that was pretty atrocious. But I love that Kubrick also cast appropriately and, you know, individuals who could convey exactly what he wanted them to convey. Even if they weren't the strongest overall actors across the board, they could convey what he needed them to convey in that movie. And that's why, that's why Barry Lyndon, Barry Lyndon is literally like the perfect movie. Like straight up the perfect 100% movie. And from what I understand in making that movie, Kubrick was like, it was just, you know, it was just, you know, uh, boilerplate for him. It was, there was no effort. That movie is so fucking perfect. And it was like effortless for, for Kubrick. You know, it was just across the board. But in this particular fact, I like, I like going back this far and looking at how, uh, your standard studio production team. Cause you know, this time, you know, the, you know, studio films were what they were. I like it, you know, when they were forced to do the most they could with variability because the technology wasn't there yet. They didn't have access to what we have today. And so I just, it's a good reminiscent of where we, of where the film industry came from. It's, it's good to look back and see where the industry came from. And it's excellent to get a sense of what, how things used to be. 
and how much we take for granted these days. And that's why I really, really dug this particular one. I think the story was okay. Sure, yeah, there were a couple of plot holes. Like how exactly, you know, she wasn't like, you know, completely, totally exhausted during the day considering her dreams are not really dreams and she's actually awake during them. I get that. You know how they were screwing with you. There were a couple of plot holes here and there, but I enjoyed it, and I and I'm a big fan of Barbara Stanwyck. I love her as an actress. I thought this was a really really good one for her to go uh, for. You know, her last film is a good one to go out on. Um, but yeah, I really dug. I dug what they did with this. I love this classic one, and it made it put me in kind of like a, I guess like an old like an old school binge where I had to go back and watch myself. I went back and watched Psycho, and I watched some old uh, some old Hitchcock stuff. So you know, like Rear Window, Vertigo. And I really, really enjoyed the old, you know, the old style, you know, just, you know, they had very little work with your camera's got a tripod, boom, you bust the leg, set the thing, crank it down, hand crank uh, stuff. And then manuals at the lens, you're shooting on film and you know, everybody, you know, then boom, we go and we got to get it now. So I really, really love that shit. So in this particular one, I was going to dive into with Alex about the loss of filmmaking simplicity and the idea that, Sometimes I think directors do need to go back. I understand that movies today are about, um, oh, Alex just messaged me. He said Facebook is, oh, shit. Facebook is apparently listening to us because it just, when he fired up his stuff, he sent me a picture of, what is this? The ultimate Dude, Wi-Fi oh, system, Orbi Wi-Fi. So apparently Orbi Facebook Wi-Fi is, system. Facebook is listening. Oh, that's, e- that's even worse. What? You're, you're roboting really hard. Anyway, so... Episode, y'all. I, he's completely frozen. I don't... Are you good? No, I can hear you. Can you hear? Maybe if you shut off your cam. I'm keeping my tits. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're professional here. That's what we do. Are you good? Now I'm thinking he's gone again. I don't know what's going on with with Alex. Anyway, so uh, let him try to sort suss that out. So um, I don't know. I heard something about tits, and I'm not 100 percent sure what it was. Um, <laughs> Alex just transformed to an eight bit video game. He does look a little pixelated right there. He really, really does. All right. Um, Aaron Reese says we know Kubrick was anal about every single detail. He would put people through months of casting processes. Exactly. Right, and then Ari says the plot hole. That was, uh, and I agree with him. I agree with Aaron Reese. I uh, plot hole says not with his casting of Wendy. And we go, no, I agree with Aaron Reese. That was perfect casting. Kubrick saw something in her that he needed to convey his interpretation of Wendy from the book. The book Wendy, the Wendy in the book is a lot stronger than Shelley Duvall is. But then again, Kubrick obviously made a lot of changes. It was his version of The Shining. That was Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, based on Stephen King. So, I think it was pitch perfect casting. I was really her across from Jack Nicholson. I liked that. And Sidney Johnson says, this all reminds me of some of my work meetings. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Travis Brown says, if Facebook is listening, then it is an X-Files. <laughs> That's very true. Um, Nerd Journal says, oh, I know. End of the year, having issues with the internet. They're pushing those upgrade packages over time. Most, well, you never know, probably. 
probably what they're doing, but not me because I'm solid. I already have their 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 maximum internet speed, and I'm hooked directly in. So I don't fuck around. All right. So what I was talking about was these days, as far as the loss of filmmaking filmmaking simplicity, I do wish more directors. The more money you get, it does not necessarily mean that you need to go with all of the major stuff that they're like, like CGI, big expensive rigs like this. You don't need to do that. Yes, you can get a better looking product, but it doesn't necessarily mean that just because your thing looks better, it's going to be better. Focus on what you need. This is apparently something that has been lost and I think needs to be regained. This is essentially my, just kind of my opinion on this. I think a lot of directors could stand to go back and learn. That they could go back and actually learn the history of their craft. Really embrace where it came from. You know, if you get the opportunity, shoot in 35. Or even cheaper. You can still shoot in Super 8. You could. There's no problem with that. It is still possible. You know, it's just difficult. But you can still do it. I think more directors need to get a grasp or just need to have a better grasp of where we all came from, where they came from, where their craft came from. You know, the foundations of these things, learn about these things, get your hands dirty. Don't just realize like, well, I've got this, I've got this, I got, I got a camera. I've got people that, that can say lines and I've got after effects. Nah. You know, I think we've had too much of that to be perfect, especially in this genre. I think he's back. How are you doing? You back? Can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you. I don't know what the fuck that was, dude. <laughs> I, I could hear you the whole entire. There he goes again. I think, dude, time, do what so you did last time. Turn your camera off. I don't think it's the camera, man. I think it's my internet. Uh, I will turn my camera off, though. Because that may be drawing bandwidth. You've done it before. We turned your camera off, and then everything was good. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. You good? Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you fine. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know. Is it still lagging? Are you lagging? Can you hear Your me? voice is lagging a bit. We'll have to cut this out. We'll have to really have to. God, this is going to be so. My wife's going to hate me. It's going to be hard to fix the post. <laughs> sorry, anyway, Angela. So I'm we got to move. We, we got to keep trucking. Plato says this coming from the guy who told me to After Effects in. I told you to After, after Effects in a muzzle flash. An off-screen muzzle flash, which is not hard, especially in a black and white short. That's what I told you to do. I'm talking about over-reliance on After Effects. Over-reliance. Not a quick flash from off-screen, which literally is just centering it's a centering a, fat, a, a quick flash, a muzzle flash from off of like the, the bottom right. Or the, the, you know, if you're on a camera right or camera left. So, But yeah, that's what I was talking about. Aaron Reese says, you won't say that shit in person. <laughs> Very true. All right. Well, I want to ask the audience on this particular one. What is your favorite psychological horror? Because I think the Nightwalker classifies as psychological horror, not just straight horror, but definitely the subgenre. I want to know which one, what is your favorite overall just psychological horror? Whether it's old school, whether it's new school, doesn't matter to me. Which one do you prefer? Let us know in the comments below or at weekendhorror at gmail.com. So, Alex, you doing okay? <laughs> I heard a crash. Yeah, you didn't hear that, did you? Yes, you didn't we hear did. that, did you? All right, damn it. Uh, everything's good. 
Okay. Just had it. You get to go in this next one, or do I have to take it? I mean, I can I can run it real fast though. We're gonna have to go quick. I mean, I can take over if you want. Oh man, this happened because Johnny didn't show up. This is exactly what happens when Johnny doesn't show up. I'm just gonna leave it right there. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Let me kick off. Let me kick this next one off. Gonna leave what, what? right where? If you do, you have it, or do you do you feel comfortable with it? I'm just worried this is gonna spike out. Let, let me just go. Ready? Can you hear me? Ready? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. We're talking about Cyclops, December 31st, 2002. <laughs> this movie was directed by Brett Piper, written mm-hmm. by Brett Piper, starring Jim Baker, Philip Barbour, Deanne, Deanne DeGregio, DeGregorio, Diane DeGregorio, DeGregorio. So. He's cutting out. Okay. Oh, yeah, I you're, apologize. That's okay. You're cutting out. So don't, don't even sweat it. All right. So, yes, the movie that we're talking about released December 31st, 2002. The movie is called Cyclops. So directed by indie director Brett Piper, written and directed by indie director Brett Piper, and starring Jim Baker, Philip Barber, Diane DiGregorio, Liz Hurley, Katie Jordan, Irene Joseph, Dan Merriman, and Rob Munkowitz. The story centers around for those. Uh, I seriously doubt anybody is able to be able to find this bad boy because this one was even harder to find than Dark Remains. But the story centers around a young, kind of enthusi- overly enthusiastic uh, college-age filmmaker who, in the course of recording, going through kind of like this avant-garde thing where he is like recording everything in his life, um, comes across a an experimental like an experimental footage video that leads him on a journey to discover this kind of like mad scientist lab which then results in his camera and you know in the course of like playing tinkering around with all this mad scientist stuff winds up fusing or opening up gateways to other dimensions and fusing his camera to his head to turn him into the cyclops and of course giving him like psychic electric powers and stuff it's strange it, it's kind of weird but um, the, I'll say, like I said before, at the very, very beginning, this one was also surprisingly strong. It was not as bad. As I, well, I saw the poster. You've seen the poster. It's on the thumbnail. Okay. Cyclops. You can actually look that up. I was surprised by this movie. This, okay. How to describe this one. Okay. Okay. First and foremost, let's talk about this one big, bigger thing. This movie was definitely an easy target. Easy targets are easier to hit. You When you don't shoot for the moon, you don't have to worry about missing the moon. This movie is exactly what it is. And predominantly, the reason is, and I want to talk a little bit about um, director, uh, writer, director, special effects artist, Brett Piper. Cyclops is low budget and not intended to be anything more than what I just told you in the summary. And that's a good thing. It doesn't try to oversell anything. Just like Dark Remains, it doesn't try to be more than it is, and it doesn't take itself way too seriously, which is very, very important, which I found out is exactly the style of Brett Piper. If I were to read off his, uh, reading off his filmography, when you look at, at, at stuff that he has done as far as you know, the movies, uh, looking at his, at his directions, 
the a nymphoid barbarian in dinosaur hell, dinosaur babes, draniac, cyclops, arachnia, shakorama, queen crab, triclops. These are the kinds of movies that he does. The interesting thing about this is, despite their titles, which might push you away from them, they're not terrible at all. This is not some underground shit that you would find in some podunk, you know, printed out DVD box at the bottom of the Walmart barrel. You, you have a hard time finding any of these movies, but these are solid films. I would actually class, if, if anybody remembers, who have been following the show since the very beginning, the very first guest we had on the show was Matthew Mark Hunter, was director and writer and special effects guy too. So he's doing the same thing, Matthew Mark Hunter. At the time we had him on the show, he was our very first special guest. Matthew Mark Hunter was, I believe, 19 years old. And he had already, and the reason we had him on the show, I know it seems young. The reason we had him on the show is because he was coming up on 100 completed short films by the age of 19. And I was like, holy shit. That is damn impressive. And we needed to have him on the show because a lot of the people that do listen to our show on, you know, on the various podcast, on the various podcasts, they're burgeoning filmmakers, people who are looking for a way to get into it, people to get information about like how to shoot films. How do they pull this off? What is going on with this? And just good examples of solid special effects, solid, you know, solid directing um, uh, or solid directing examples, a movie they can watch to get a real idea of how to shoot a movie, of what you're trying to do and how to convey certain things. And Matthew Mark Hunter is fantastic. Shows even at 19 years old, that dude is cranking. And he's still, he's way past 100 now. He, and I keep getting, I, I get the uh, the updates. And I tell you, from the very beginning to now, his special effects have their dynamite. He, does, he knows how to push a dollar as far as you possibly can and still make it fun. Brett Piper is the next level from where Matthew Mark Hunter is going to be. And I would say beyond that, an individual like our last guest that we just had on, Jim Ojala. Uh, Jim, um, Jim Ojala is after that. When you're building and you're and you're starting to do work for you know for serious like you know movies that are going to see like wide DVD release or at least a limited theatrical release. Some of them, but then even Jim Ojala has done major you know studio films. Like I said, he'd be you know he'd worked on Pacific Rim, he'd worked on X Men Three. So, and a number of others. We just, you know, luckily we, we were able to have him on the show. Brett is right there in the middle. This And uh, if he continued on with his career, the same thing for the director of Dark Remains. Brett Piper is right there smack in the center. And that's why I'm so glad we came across this. Because I'll give it to him. The special effects in this were really good. Aside from the, the weird electrical stuff, because this was 2002. So they were still using like little drop-in, like when he was conveying electricity and stuff. That looked a little hokey. And what I thought was really cool was the little alien slugs that come out of the alternate dimension. Those were claymation, stop motion. And I thought that was really cool. That was a nice effect. I, I like seeing that, I like seeing somebody using it because that takes time. That takes effort and love to pull something like that off. And they look decent. I thought it was pretty neat. So we got some stop, we got some stop motion in there, some claymation effectively. And then we've got it's a little bit of like, you know, burgeoning CGI to throw it in for the electricity effects. And then, of course, this really badass monster with this video camera embedded in the side of his head, which I have to admit was really sick because 
not only was it stuck in the side of his head, it was it was functional. Like he could fuck with it, which was nice. Like there's a scene where he's like he's spying on a girl that he's gonna that he because he's a monster now. He's spying on a girl and then he like adjusts the and you could see the aperture inside the lens like adjusting. So it was a fully functional prosthetic that was camera prosthetic that was attached to his head to make him look like he, you know he'd become the cyclops. That's interesting stuff. That's very very cool. Not to mention. Uh, Dan Merriman, who plays the who plays the character, um, the prime character uh, uh, Shep. Um, everybody calls him Shep, but uh, the Dave Merry or sorry Dan Merriman. Dan Merriman knocked that one out of the park. Not too extreme in the kind of goofiness, but just enough to sell this kind of like monster like this. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I knew people like him, you know, back when I was going to school, and the people around him, you know. A decent script, and this is all you need. One more example. Your script is solid and strong. You're telling a cohesive narrative, one, two, and three. And then you've got, you know how to cast your films. And then you put it together, just as long as you, I mean, and obviously the special effects are, the, are what make it in this one, especially, you know, when they go inside the dude's brain and the slug things are burrowing into his brain and stuff. I thought this one was really, really decent. And of course, Fringe directors, I would call them fringe directors. Directors on the fringe like Brett Piper, whose work I think deserves a little bit more focus in what he's trying to do with what little he often has to work with. This is, and this is what's awesome, is that individuals like Brett have made, this is their, they, they, this is the typically what a filmmaking, filmmaking career looks like. Your movies make money, just enough money, to pay the bills, put food on the table, and allow you to make the next movie. And that's their job. That's their nine to five. Brett Piper is the kind of individual who has made, who has literally made filmmaking his life. Will probably never, I hope he gets one day really recognized for his, for his contributions to the genre. But this is it. He's a filmmaker. He works special effects for a lot of stuff. He gets paid for special effects works. He directs and writes his own stuff. This is the life. This is the unsung life of someone who is doing this for a living that you never hear about. And I really wanted to, to, to put to kind of like shine a spotlight on him for the work that he does and what he accomplishes and what he brings to the table because few people would ever really know of it. And that's what makes it so important to me is that there are people out here who make this their lives. Some, some fail. We've talked about some directors who absolutely, they threw everything, their heart, their soul, every money, their P, their directors out there who mortgaged their homes, you know, before, you know, to try and get one movie made. And sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes you have to sit back. There was that one guy, and I know we talked about it months and months ago, is a director who essentially lost everything making it getting his one movie done and it was like it was like a, a combination of like ghost story and like Friday the 13th slasher and it was it, it wasn't great you know but he did it he got it in the can and he was kind enough that he made sure everyone was reimbursed for their work before he bought his house back it took a long time but he got there everyone got paid before he was able to settle his own debts which i thought was really you know, was like wow you know but that was his one and only movie Sometimes it takes it out of you. Brett Piper, director Brett Piper, is one of those guys who has managed to find his niche and turn it into a career. And for that, he deserves a tremendous amount of credit. 
Um, the, the, the few bits, I've watched Cyclops a couple of times, so I get a really good feel for it. And, of course, going through a lot of his other stuff, I just watching clips of the deal like that. He's got a good handle on it. The guy knows what he's doing. His his work has improved over time. I really, really, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I like what he brings to the table. I think more people should really look out. Check him out on IMDb. When you look at it, when you uh, this one, when this um episode goes live in the podcast, it's, there's always a link. So you can follow those links to IMDb. You can find out about their works and you can find their stuff from there. So let's see what's going on. You know, Travis Brown says, uh, wait, was it? Yes. Uh, oh, and the George said, wasn't there a Cenobite that had a similar deal? And Travis Brown says, it's the son of the Camerahead Cenobite. Yeah, I remember that from Hellraiser 3. <laughs> and Henry says, it's getting harder to find work and practical as, as special effects, too. Horror tends to be the bread and butter for them. Agreed. That's what Jim Ojala, our uh, our last special guest, um, was on. He was talking about. And he is really cranking it out. And, of course, he's just broken into writing and directing his own stuff. His very first one, Strange Nature, which was really, really good. It's currently on Amazon. But he was saying the exact same thing. And I cannot wait for all of you to hear the After Dark with Jim Ojala. That was amazing. The stories he had to tell, the experiences he had in this industry, it was a lot of fun. So I can't wait. All of you, all of the patrons who have access to that tier will be getting early uh, early access to the After Dark session with Jim Ojala. And everybody else will get it a month later on all of the podcast sites. So it was really fantastic stuff. And we also have our... Oh, yeah, that reminds me. We also have our bloodbath debate coming up. So let's know, patrons, if you're available and you're, if you have access to that tier, patrons, if you're available um, of the Slasher or Mastermind tiers, uh, we need special guests for Sunday. Message me. Message me on Sunday. You can come be a special guest for our bloodbath. We'll bring it in. The horror icon, the horror experts will debate, and you will help decide who wins. And it's me versus uh, Alex, Krampus versus Jack Frost. Should be interesting. All right, I missed the uh, Tina Jones says, so what you're saying is you don't approve of JM's methods. I do not approve of JM's methods. A- absolutely not. I really, really don't. There's more to that, you know, but we don't need to go to like, but I really don't. He's just a bad filmmaker. But yeah, so Cyclops, very interesting little film, solid special effects. I really, really enjoyed this one. This is classic filmmaking. This is the example of someone who has found their niche in this industry and has made it their living. Definitely just on that alone, on the effort that it takes to to make it your sustainable living, and the fact that he loves what he does, he has a, you can tell everybody's having fun with it. Definitely go and check his stuff out. Always a good time. So I want to know when it comes to horror films, just horror films in general, <clears throat> across doesn't matter the subgenre. I want to ask the audience: Do you prefer studio horror or independent horror? Because we've talked to quite a bit. We talked about two independent horror films tonight, which turned out to be way stronger than we thought. Just the marketing wasn't there. And one studio film, which apparently Alex really didn't dig. So I'm curious. What do y'all prefer? Do y'all prefer independent film, independent horror, or studio horror? Definitely let us know in the chat or in the comments down below or at weekendhorrorgmail.com. Maybe throw in a couple examples of which ones you prefer. All right. So we have one more that I wanted to dive into tonight. And I see Alex has not been able to make it back yet, so he's still fiddling. He keeps popping in and out of Discord. So this is really, really interesting. Uh, We'll just go ahead and dive into this next one. Um, Because this one was really, really – this was another really really hard to find one, and it's also independent. Um, Have a good night, uh, Emma Jordan. Sleep well. Thank you for popping in. Okay, so – this next one, 
released December 31st, 2009. And it is Skins, S-K-I-N-S, which stands for Serial Killers in Need of Support. So here we're going to get into some interesting stuff. Now, Skins itself, directed by Anthony Spadaccini, written by Anthony Spadaccini, Jay Cusack, and Tanisha Dungy, and then, of course, starring Barbara Lesson, Michael J. Panicelli Jr., Joey Garrison, Colleen Hawthorne, Art Lyle, Jeff Lutz, Damian Coletti, Kevin Ashley, and Melissa Torrance, um, and Benjamin uh, Piablo Jr. So, oh, and sorry, Paul McCloskey as well, because it's important that we know uh, Paul McCloskey. So, this movie is definitely extreme horror. It's extreme horror. Well, no, actually, sorry. This particular one is more psychological horror. It is a... The interesting... Okay. I'm totally getting ahead of myself. This is the plot summary. This movie is, is a companion to another horror series. And this movie focuses on a serial killer support group. So, um... An underground network of the Delaware Valley's most dangerous serial killers meets once a week to support, encourage, and educate one another. And the story is told of this sadistic band of murderers through uncut footage shot at the meetings themselves, supplemented by personal home movies, TV interviews, and police interrogation videos of the group's members. The footage is supposedly compiled by the authorities and answers a lot of questions about the members of the group and those who are connected to the group. Um... It definitely has some some dark comedy elements, but it's definitely a horror movie. And what's really, really interesting is that there's not a single murder depicted in the entire film, despite it being a movie totally about serial killers. That is because this is a companion film to what is the Head Case series. So Skins is an interesting dive, kind of like a behind-the-scenes dive into characters that appeared in this director, Anthony Spadaccini's Head Case series. The Head Case series is pretty damn extreme, is, is really hardcore stuff. So, but somewhat, in, but fairly enjoyable. This is for those more underground horror, August, August Underground, um, the house that Jack built kind of stuff that people may dig those. A lot of people, a lot of this stuff won't really, a lot of people's stomachs won't be able to handle a lot, a lot of that stuff. But this one was intriguing because it's literally all about the characters themselves and it interwines. There's cross characters. There's people that, that work in both um, areas uh, that, that basically cross the film. Like uh, Michael, Sped, uh, what was it? Michael Panicelli, who I actually spoke to um, briefly. Uh, Michael Panicelli. Is uh is from the head case. He's one of the cops. One of the is Detective uh, Haynes, and he works in his and then he comes across with this. And Barbara Lesson is also is Andrea Andrea Montgomery. Paul McCloskey is her husband Wayne Montgomery, who are the two serial killers that are focused on in in head case. And so what the director has done is weave together what Anthony Spadaccini has done is created a kind of serial killer verse around the Delaware Valley. Because then just because head case is broken up into segments. You have the head case series, then you have skins, then you have a number of addendums to that, such as head cases, serial killers in the Delaware Valley, head case, home movies of a serial killer. 
and, and headcase like the lost tapes. All of them are kind of found footage, you know, intercut from home movies and the like. And so this right here, Anthony Spadaccini has put together this kind of verse of serial killer movies, which I found to be rather intriguing. A continuing narrative that is constantly evolving and adding, basically, he's done in MCU. Um, <laughs> Tina Jones, am I the only one craving pasta now? I know, right? So I found that to be really, really interesting in that respect. The uh, the kind of like serial killer verse he's created around um, these characters in the Delaware Valley. And I found that really cool. You can find some of these films online. Some of them are very, very hard to find. Uh, but you can find them. And I recommend watching them in order, in the order that they were made. So you can get a good, clear narrative. Because Spotticini is really good about that. And there's one thing I wanted to kind of dive into. Spotticini himself. So I know Alex had a lot to say about this. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to kind of fill the void. Um, I don't know what he was going to say about it or what Johnny was going to say about this. But this was an intriguing ride. I was only able to find bits and pieces of the movie. I couldn't find this one in its entirety. But I knew enough about the characters because I was able to watch stuff around Skins. Skins was impossible to find. I know of the film, and I have spoken with the actors, with some of the actors who were in the film trying to track down a copy. I put feelers out to uh, Anthony, to director Spadaccini. Didn't hear anything. I legit, um, I couldn't find a copy of this particular, of, of Skins. So, but I would, you know, the other head case stuff I was. And I was trying to, I was able to kind of put together a sense of what was going on from the clips I saw from Skins. So, Anthony Spadaccini is an, is an interesting character in what he's trying to convey in these. I don't know why he's apparently he's kind of gotten out of the filmmaking game a little bit. I'm not 100% sure why. He had an interesting thing going on. He's creating something really solid. He put out a bunch of, I mean, he's got a bunch of work. Because um, you've got, he's got his Glenville series. And then, of course, Headcase, Skins. Uh, let me see, Director. If he got, he's got, I'm sorry, I'm going through this deal. Um Head cases, skins, that whole thing. Um, and of course, uh, oh, it's so difficult. Okay, because those are broken up into sections. Oh, it's so wild. Avant-garde is the, is the best way I could describe this in what Spotticini uh, has put together. It's really, really raw. And... Huh. Oh, look, Alex is back. He may have just... How are we doing? I don't know. You tell me. Are we okay? Looks good now. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope my neighbor doesn't watch this. I'm pinging off his Wi-Fi. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> uh... So we just dived into Skins. And I was diving into the Anyways, mind of, no. of Anthony Spadaccini. What the fuck happened with Skins? Where did it go? I found like half of the movie in bits and pieces on the internet. Right, yeah, we was able to find chunks, and so 
and from what I could tell from this movie, there was things like, you know, an entire group of serial killers and not one murder ever depicted, which was insane. Um, <laughs> which was like, I was like, man, I want to watch the whole thing because it's like they're focusing on the right things here. I know if you're going to keep going after that. See, now you went quiet. I don't know. No, it's, it's, and I, was, I thought you were going to continue off that. <laughs> now he's back. <laughs> Did you freeze again? Now he froze again. Oh, dear. <laughs> this, this episode, my wife is going to be so mad at me. She's going to be okay, so pissed. I'm sorry, Angela. Sorry, Angela. It's it's the internet in our neighborhood. Apparently, I just saw on Facebook everybody's having issues around the neighborhood. So, ah, I apologize. So, in this particular one, um, I was able to piece together enough from the other entries into the Hadke series into his into his glimpse of serial killers in order to get an understanding of what was going on in Skins to kind of like you know get to pick up the inside jokes and the dark comedy and of course you know the characters cross to get familiarized with the characters because some of those characters the characters cross over, and so my curiosity about this was just kind of like diving into the mind of Anthony Spottacini because there's one thing what he's, he's done kind of like an MCU of serial killers in the Delaware Valley. Now he himself lives in Delaware. This is where this is all based. It's all shot around. It's all pretty much shot around his hometown. This is that avant-garde filmmaking style. This is what Spottacini is trying to do. He has sent this up to like a lot of film festivals and he's won awards for his work. Interesting stuff. I would almost say not just avant-garde, but experimental, even though it's found footage. It's this is it's almost experimental filmmaking, like you know, trying to like 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 films like Gummo, you know. It, it's cool how he dives into not just like oh let's kill people on screen, but like why do they kill people on screen? Why right. are they killing people? And it's like you get that fresh kind of take on like you're sympathetic with a villain, which is is taboo. Uh, sympathize with the villain which is like really taboo in these in these movies and it's like not something you really get a whole lot of and from these head case movies i want to see more but i feel like there's not i feel like we've seen it all exactly and i do and i would want more but from what i found out this is the kind of the mystery behind it so the people i was able to get in touch with and i messaged everybody everybody <laughs> that actually had like information that i could find like, i called social, everyone like, via social media i was able to get in touch with um roger and let me see. Um, one sec. I was able to get in touch with. Where did he go? I was able to get in touch with Michael Panicelli. So Michael Panicelli, who plays Detective John Haynes, um, I was able to get in touch with him. And then someone from the head case, one of the actors from the uh, uh, from the head case series, Roger. I was able to get in touch with him. And both of them said that hey, they would try and get in touch with Anthony. But apparently, Anthony's kind of falling out of the filmmaking a little bit. Maybe he's, but I couldn't get a hold of him. And I, you know, indeed, via Twitter, any social media whatsoever, he's like nowhere. So I figured, you know, why not go to the people who worked on the movies? Try to try to find it that way. Can't find him there either. So I've got this mysterious director who I can't locate and I can't track down. And some of the people who knew him way back when, because remember, this is 2009. So this is over 10 years ago that this thing came out. Looking for this guy who's doing this, who's like putting out these kind of like avant-garde movies. I think um, he did have a movie come out in 2019 called Viscera. And apparently another one where he worked as a story consultant on called The Ghost is a Lie. Um, is one of the writers. But not really putting anything out. 
So I don't know. Maybe he's kind of getting out of the filmmaking game. I'm not sure. I'd love to get more information on this because I'd like more insight into these movies. Because just like you, I'm kind of wanting more. Where was he going with this? This is a trail that builds upon itself. And it's almost like getting Infinity War and no endgame. You you got it right on the head with the, the universe thing. It could be a serial killer universe. You could start right. a whole fucking thing with this, but it just doesn't. It fizzles off. And it was like, maybe we need to contact this guy and, you know, be like, hey, what do you want to do with this? Because there, like the yeah. <laughs> there was a lot left on the fucking table with this one. And, and it definitely on the fucking table. That was not, it wasn't grabbed and somebody needs to grab it and move on because this is like, it's not a normal thing. We don't see this trope, like see it from this side of the, the table. Um, and I, yeah, they need to grab this. Somebody needs to pick this up. We need yeah. to add him on our, on our list. We do need to have him. Uh, plot holes, this fizzles off like Alex's internet. <laughs> so I think, I, I dug it. So the director's name is Anthony Spottachini. You can find some of this stuff around. Um, it's hard to find, but you can find it. If you've got the stomach for it and the interest, if this kind of like say the serial killer, you know, kind of like genre, really, if you really dig that, I'd recommend giving it a look. However, the found footage style might put some people off because it's compiled from like authorities' footage from home videos. Basically, you know, as you know, as cheap as you could possibly make it. The cheapest. I think this film was. I think make. this film was budgeted like a hundred bucks right like which yeah. is interesting and that's what makes skins kind of interesting because with where, where it comes across in skins is the acting is the people conveying these stories which is really interesting and just like and also I, I won't say it's i will say a little fucking creepy some people speaking so because it's not because this in some cases it doesn't really come off as acting but it, it's, it's like how a serial killer and around fellow serial killers would talk about their acts in that respect. Like if they had, yeah, prison. Right. Where, you know, they deal with these things. And I, I dug where he was going with this. I wish there was more. And that's just the interesting thing about Skins is Skins is really a companion piece to Headcase. So it's a different energy. It's a different kind of motivation. But I recommend anybody who really, really digs this kind of, of, of I would say, almost experimental avant-garde filmmaking and for an interesting subject matter and really a solid acting, I thought was pretty yeah. decent. Definitely check them out if you can find them. So to put a little shine, a little light on Anthony Spottaccini's work and the, the credit that it does deserve for what he's managed to put out there. I do want to ask the audience real quick before we get into, because this is it, I want to ask the audience, pseudo or mock documentaries? Yes or no, flat out. Do you like him? Do you hate him? Do you love him? Do you you don't care? Whichever one, pseudo or pseudo documentaries or mock documentaries. What is your take on this? Because that's what this entire series is, is like a mockumentary. Let us know what you think in the live chat or in the comments below or weekendhorror at gmail.com. All right. So talking about these movies and we're getting around here to the end. I think it's time. For a trivia question, what do you think? The last trivia question of the year. The last trivia question of the year. That's it. All right. So in the live chat, who is ready? Who is ready? Oh, I see Angel Rivera has joined us. Good to see you, Angel Rivera. Thank you so much for being here. I think um and wrote it in the last name. I think wrote it in the last name. Gabba Gabba to you, sir. Good to see you. It's okay. You're never late. 
We, we, uh, you can show up anytime you like. We're just glad that you're I can't even get my computer to work, so you're right on time. <laughs> All right. Yes, Charlie Welch says 2021 can fuck right off. It absolutely can. All right. So here we go. Tonight's trivia question. Now, if everybody's ready for it, let me know. Let me know in that live chat if you guys are ready for this. Flex and stretch those Google fingers because you may need this one. So here we go. And what we're giving away is your choice of an item from the Weekend Horror Store. From the Weekend Horror Teespring, we have so much stuff in there. Your choice, this last one, will be coming directly to you. Whatever you want in the store, the, the new pint glass, new drinkware, any of the t-shirts, all of the limited edition shirts are available. Just remember- If anybody wants to send me a present, I would really like a pint glass. <laughs> Just remember, everything in the Teespring store right now is currently the lowest price we can make it and an additional 15% off until the end of December. In case this is the opportunity you want to buy gifts, or send things to send things to people. This is the opportunity. It's just, they can't get lower than this because the fifteen percent does not come from me. That comes from Teespring. So I lowered the prices. They dropped them lower. So it may actually be costing us money. <laughs> it may actually cost us money to make these things. But here we go. Flex those fingers. Get ready. Here is your trivia question. The last trivia question of twenty twenty one. The Nightwalker was released on DVD in 2015 as a double feature with what horror movie starring Leslie Nielsen? One more time. <laughs> the Night Walker was released on DVD in 2015 as a double feature with what horror movie starring Leslie Nielsen? First one in the chat gets it. You know what? I probably ought to pull up the live chat on YouTube so I can see... Who's got it? Just to make sure I don't miss it. Let's switch counts. Go through the process. Yes. Oh, wow, we already this. got. We already got it. <laughs> it's already up. Really? Live chat. We've got like two, three of them. Yeah. Oh, uh, like let me see. Oh, just... holy crap! That, damn, that came in quick. Holy shit! Um, uh, looking did. at the live chat. Looking at the live chat. And Aaron Reese. Aaron Reese has got it. Sarah tried so hard. <laughs> and man, Aaron Reese pulled that out. Yes, the movie was Dark Intruder, where Leslie Nielsen played the bad guy. It was a real, I actually had to go and watch this because Leslie Nielsen as a villain, awesome stuff. Ever since Creep Show, I've got to see the stuff that he had. And obviously, this was way back. It just goes to show how far back Nielsen's career went. But yes, Leslie Nielsen in Dark Intruder. Let's see, Aaron Reese nailed that. Congratulations, Aaron Reese. Also, Tina Jones was so close, right behind him. Dark Intruder. Ronella's name said Creep Show. Close. Um, Charlie Welch said Dark Intruder. Sir Little Wolf said Day of the Animal. Intriguing. Angel Rivera all said Dark Intruder. And yep, it looks like. Um, and yep, that would be Aaron Reese. Fantastic. So, Aaron Reese. Is the winner and Aaron Reese? Uh, oh, oh, what is this? What is this? Because Aaron Reese has a pint glass. He won a pint glass back at episode eleven of this season, and he says, "Send Alex a pint glass. I should have one on the way." Oh shit! Aww, you're the best. Look at that. Oh, go my collection. I don't think you understand. I have a whole collection. Of course I do. I drink a lot of beer. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. That's amazing. 
That's awesome. Look, Alan, do look at that. The spirit of giving. <laughs> well, congratulations, Aaron Reese. That's fantastic. Aaron Reese. And yeah, someone said, yeah, we should have him on the show. Aaron Reese knows his shit. You never know. We may have a, a new cast member who doesn't get the sniffles. Oh, <laughs> I was going to get one more in there. Damn. I thought I was going to get kicked off for the internet thing, but shit, it looks like I'm a, oh, <laughs> the no, running no, for this no, I'm, I'm used to that. I'm used to that. It's all good. Your internet's always been shit. <laughs> we dealt with it. I know. Even when, even when I've got 500 megabyte internet, it's still garbage. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, thank you so much, Aaron Reese. That is very, very cool. He says, I did my good deed for the season. I can go back to being a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was wholesome as fuck. Yeah. All right. So congratulations to Aaron Reese, who won the trivia question and then passed his gift on to Alex. Awesome. Alex, I'll print his uh his uh pint glass to get that sent directly over to you so there you go awesome. congratulations you got it <laughs> oh that's awesome oh. all right oh aaron races i just mm. upgraded to mastermind on patreon so i'll contact you on sunday yes please awesome aaron race that would be amazing aaron Reese, it looks like on. this is going to come to fruition way faster <laughs> that's amazing all right, awesome. Yes, Aaron Reese, fantastic. Good to hear. And uh, I can't wait to have you on as a special guest. We uh, The Bloodbath debates are amazing. And you guys, coming, our patrons coming on as special guests, make it absolutely cool. Cool as shit. Uh, did my volume just drop? Sounds good to me. <laughs> Plot also says, season of giving, huh? Well, come on over and get whatever virus I've got. <laughs> yeah, not likely. No, apparently I'm good. So I'm solid. My sound is good. Well, I think that is it. That will bring this last episode of 2021 of Weekend Horror to a close. Thank you all so much for making 2021 the best year for Weekend Horror. Join us next week when we look back at the Graboids prequel film, Tremors 4, The Legend Begins, international zombie terror in Inmate Zero, the continuing saga of Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw 3D, and college slasher fun in Hell Week. Now, we'd like to spend or send a special shout-out to all of our amazing patrons who continue to help us make Weekend Horror the incredible success that it has become. Thank you all so very, very much. And you all know the very cool artwork that we have for the show. And our limited edition shirts, Weekend Horror artist Joshua Olson has opened up his own store with all of those amazing designs. Check out www.badsamurai.store to see all of the latest amazing additions to his shop. You all can visit us at weekendhorror.net where you can find links to all of our episodes, our bios, our merch store, Teespring, and of course, enter your email for a permanent entry to win a mystery horror shirt every month, courtesy of SixDollarShirts.com. We love them there. As a matter of fact, the website is currently getting an overhaul, isn't it, Alex? You're you're overseeing that? I'm working on it right now. Uh, should be up and running by this weekend. Fantastic. Oh, Excellent. Did you... No, you're good. For more horror okay. entertainment, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you will get the daily splatter, a bit of horror movie info every single day right to your feed, and at our new gaming channel, Digital Darkness, where we play horror games with host AlienX Gaming. One of our amazing patrons running our horror gaming stream. Hope you all dig those. Please like, subscribe, and smash that bell like someone's head caught in a jigsaw trap for all the latest updates from the show. And be sure to leave us a comment. All of those interactions really help us with the dreaded algorithm, which is technically the slasher that our show is trying to survive. And lastly, if you truly love what we do here and would like to and are able to support our production, 
you can do our Patreon. You've heard us mention it before. We have tiers as low as $1 a month, our fanatic tier. $1 a month. That is cheaper than a Friday the 13th throwaway victim. Higher tiers can get you early and special access, bonus content, monthly horror movies, and even join us as special judges for our bloodbath debates. Check those all out, www.patreon.com slash weekinhorror. But if Patreon is not your preferred cup of blood, you can always support the show through our PayPal as well. Links to all of this, including our Discord community, where you can find film recommendations, trailers, trivia games, horror watch parties, and even interact directly with us, are all in the description. Join us over there tonight. I will be doing an encore performance of Antlers, the new Guillermo del Toro produced Wendigo horror film. Y'all are going to love it. So if you didn't see it the first time, I'm doing it again tonight. Come on out and join us over in the Discord. And as always, liking and sharing the show, sharing the show with the friends in your local horror community or on social media is the absolute best way you can help us continue to grow. Thank you all so much for being the greatest podcast audience. I totally fucked that up. Thank you all for being the greatest audience a podcast could have. I knew I was going to get it right. <laughs> I'm JL. And I'm Alex. We're going to cut that. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. And as always, stay scared. We're so fucking pro around here. <laughs>